it's frustrating when the help isn't given to us, even though we don't ask for it, right? So when we're not asking for it, like how should they expect to know that we need help or be able to understand what kind of help we need? Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, it is a solo episode with just me recapping the past few months of my postpartum journey. Hello, mamas, and welcome to another postpartum update episode. This is actually part four of my postpartum journey with my second child, Isaac. And this might be a little bit different than you may be expecting. I don't really go into, you know, all the developmental things that baby is doing or changes with my body. There has been things, you know, like I got my period back and, you know, I'm navigating that. I've had some, you know, probably mild rage because of the lack of sleep that's been going on these past few months. But more so, I really wanted to touch on my mental state, what I'm doing to navigate that, how I'm working on my mindset, and really just adjusting the way that I'm thinking about things and how I'm navigating life, what I've done to heal throughout this journey, and what that might look like for somebody who is also going through it or maybe soon approaching it and really just get real about some of the stuff that you know we don't talk about you can't google you can't really get into unless you're having that real deep one-on-one conversation with somebody and i talk about really finding our passion or something that lights us up and how much that affects our motherhood journey and i really hope you like this and really just get something out of it here so pop in those headphones turn up the volume and let's get this episode started hello mamas we just got back from our trip we did a trip to a really magical place and it was a blast i had so much fun i'm still coming down off of all things vacation and i am just excited to share with you how postpartum has been going and what things have been looking like we are 10 months postpartum with Isaac and you know it is just so much going on and not a lot going on all at the same time. I may try to do an episode completely dedicated to our trip 
But, you know, like I said, we're still decompressing and really just soaking in everything that happened. And I want to create something that's going to be useful and impactful for planning and traveling and doing things like that. So I'm looking for, you know, maybe potential guests to help share that story and really give you useful tools if, if you're going to go on a, on a similar trip. To really top it all off... You know, right after our vacation, we jumped into daylight savings and, and that's going on. And I recently heard there's something happening that this might be the last daylight savings time change ever in the United States here. We're in South Carolina right now. But, you know, if, if anybody hears anything about what's going on with that, you know, message me and fill me in because I'm kind of curious you know, is this the last time? Uh, how do people adjust with that? I feel like there's so much knowledge in changing your schedule and things like that. And it just kind of worked out that our schedule was all off and fluctuating anyway, because we were on vacation, we were staying up late, we were waking up early, we were going here and there, and nap times were off. You know, either way, I'm curious how you're adjusting to the time change, because Honestly, like I didn't see too much of a change because we were on vacation, but I'm I'm curious how you're navigating all of that and what that typically looks like and how much you plan into adjusting your schedule for daylight savings. Anyway, I wanted this episode to be a recap of the past few months. Like I said earlier, Isaac is now 10 months old, and while a lot has been going on, I simply do not know where the time has gone. We have been fitting in so much stuff over the last few months, and I really wanted to document my postpartum period this time around as much as I possibly could and really just say what's going on and and maybe just give some insight on what my journey has been like to hopefully make you feel less alone and really bring up some conversations about this time period in our lives. So to start it off, I wanted to mention that Isaac now has all four front teeth. And with that, he has been a bit of a biter. And if you don't know, if you haven't heard me say it before, we are breastfeeding and we are on this breastfeeding journey, but it has been a little bit of a struggle with his teeth coming in and him teething. And all the biting has has really been bad. I bled from him biting the other day. Well, I guess it's been like over a month now. So we've been transitioning to being almost 100% pumping and giving him pumped milk with the occasional nursing session at night or like if he got up in the middle of the night, I'd still breastfeed him. But while we were on vacation, it was really difficult to pump while we were out and moving and going all over the place. And so I tried just nursing him. And after the first few days, it was going well. So we left the pumping equipment back at the room and we were just nursing wherever we were. And, and so that's exciting to kind of go from him 
biting and thinking that our journey was over as far as physically breastfeeding and then now kind of reverting back to being able to physically be with him while I breastfeed. We also have added in some formula occasionally and that was really a decision that we made because he was waking up almost every three hours at night. I know the last time I updated you, nights were going well. He was sleeping through the night. We were, you know, getting sleep ourselves. And these past few months, it was rough. He was getting up and fussing. And I think it's with the teeth coming in and wanting to nurse and be with someone. So when he had his nine-month appointment they had said you know we can do six ounce bottles at night and and maybe that will help him sleep through the night so even with me pumping we wanted to have five ounce bottles for daycare and then to do a six ounce bottle at night I was pumping about 25 to 30 ounces a day which is great but to really have consistent bottles and to not stress or worry about how much we had or how much was left or where we were distributing it and you know forcing myself to pump later and really just kind of navigate all of that in a stressful environment we decided to have formula on hand in case we needed it and so now not every night but a few nights a week he does get a formula bottle right before bed and honestly it has been such a difference in the way that he sleeps and just knowing that he's getting a full bottle right before whether it's my own pumped milk or the formula, we are really seeing a difference with that being the case. And I think he's enjoying it as well. And, you know, a a couple weeks ago, we had gone on vacation, just a short weekend beach trip, and he was fully nursing. And then also I was pumping and I fully nursed him, put him down. He was still a little fussy. So my husband then gave him one of the bottles that I had pumped earlier that day. And I was okay with that. I was like, yeah, just like, you know, give him a a couple ounces of it and we'll put the rest back. He has actually been doing really well with straight cold milk too. So we pull it out of the fridge, just give him some and we can put it right back in the fridge And so that was the plan. And he actually downed a whole entire bottle after I had just finished fully nursing him too. And so when my husband came back out and he's like, oh yeah, he drank the whole thing. I was just so heartbroken and stressed. And I was freaking out like, how am I ever going to get that milk back? Like, how am I ever going to be able to replace that? Do you know how long it takes me to pump all that milk? You know, that expression that they say, like, don't cry over spilled milk. And then not until it's breast milk, do you really cry about it? And just the fact that 
I was panicking, wondering how am I going to feed my baby when one whole bottle was gone really also propelled our journey into seeking information about formula and what that would look like for these next few months. We are planning on, you know, making it to a year of breast milk and then we will see where we're at then and really just reevaluate the situation. Rosie was breastfed for about probably 15, 16 months. And even that after a year, she was kind of self-weaning and just consuming less. And then at daycare, she was transitioning to having milk instead of breast milk. And so we, we went along that journey. They weren't allowing us to send breast milk bottles anymore after a certain period of time. So if she was consuming breast milk, it was only at home. But, you know, going back to this beach trip and really just stressing out about being short on the milk, it's tough when you are the sole provider of nourishment for your baby and you get worried that you're not going to be able to provide for them. So we are sleeping, we are feeling less stressed, and we are really just enjoying this time right now. Honestly, that has been the biggest transition probably and why these past few months have been so hard to keep track of because I was not sleeping longer than three hour stretches. And I I think I talked about this before, but ideally a four hour stretch is optimal, you know, I guess not optimal, is um, when you are waking up, if you're not getting at least four hour gaps of sleep, you're not allowing your body to rest in the way that it needs to and to really be like getting up and walking down the hall and trying to nurse him and helping him fall back asleep and everything like that. I was up for, you know, at least a half an hour, I would say, to go help him because then also I would have to come back and try to fall asleep and mentally relax again. And I was just, you know, straight up trying to manage during the day and feeling so tired because I was not getting that much need a well-rested sleep, like almost back to the beginning first few months with baby and what that's like. And so that was another thing that I really discussed with the doctor at nine months. And even just standing there in the doctor's office, I was kind of like a straight up zombie, just feeling drained and just unsure of what to do and you know you hear oh yeah it will get better this will pass like stuff like that but really just taking my mental state into consideration and really just evaluating where we are and and what we can do to help get the sleep that we all very much need has just been you know, a a reality check that we needed to tap into. And 
I feel much better. I think even Isaac's feeling much better. And overall, it's just been a really good transition and and journey that we're navigating because he does even refuse binkies, which maybe in the upcoming months, years and such, if he is not looking for them or needing them, then it won't be as hard to transition out of them and not use them anymore. But it does make it difficult when you are the only thing that can soothe them and relax them and get them to go back to sleep. But another thing that happened in these past few months is that my husband went on a camping trip and I was 100% alone with both kids for the weekend. And it was really interesting because I was super nervous and unsure of how it was going to go, especially with how Isaac had been sleeping so poorly. And I just don't do well when Jeff's gone because I don't like sleeping alone. But surprisingly, it went pretty well. And, you know, I I don't want to do it again anytime soon. But I think it made me feel more comfortable and confident in having to do it by myself. And, you know, it's really a weird concept, but knowing that it's all on you versus feeling like it's all on you are two totally different viewpoints. And when he was gone, I knew it was all on me and I was in charge of the kids and I, you know, was able to handle what was coming up and able to approach it in a way that made sense to me and how I wanted to do it all and really structure things. Like obviously with kids, things come up, things change, you know, you have to pivot around them, but I was able to make all the decisions all by myself and really just had that sense of control and when he's here sometimes I feel like certain tasks that become more kind of all on me and the need to have to quote-unquote do it all by myself but like wishing like they could somehow read my mind or know what I needed or you know in that sense, it's frustrating when the help isn't given to us, even though we don't ask for it, right? So when we're not asking for it, like how should they expect to know that we need help or be able to understand what kind of help we need? So I'm, I'm not really sure if this is making sense, but I hope it is. And basically what I'm trying to say is when we assume that someone is going to complete a task as well as us, or we expect them to know how to do something without explaining it to them, or we expect them to understand how overwhelmed we're feeling, or to have the same experience as us, or the same reaction as us, or, you know, the same emotions and feelings and stuff, we're really just setting ourselves up for disaster. And, you know, we're not mind readers. I'm not a mind reader. My partner isn't a mind reader. I don't know if that actually exists for anybody out there, but I 
am confident in saying that we cannot read minds and we are not copies of each other. We have not walked the same walk and experienced the same things. So, and that's a good thing. And so we really need to effectively communicate what's going on and really relay our thought process sometimes, especially when things get so chaotic and feel out of order. Because if we're not relaying that information, they're not understanding it and processing it and obtaining it. And it's really just an ongoing learning process for everyone involved. You know, also the children. They do not understand what we're thinking and they don't have the life experience that we have. So for them to understand, for other people in our life to really understand exactly why we want to do something or how we want to have something done, it's it's not going to be received correctly if we're not communicating efficiently. You know, like I said, it is a good thing to have different perspectives and thoughts because it's going to allow those differences to really come through and for us to be able to logically talk about things and and really come up with, you know, a good solution in similar situations when that comes up again. But, you know, if we hold grudges, if we get frustrated, if we have assumptions and expectations, then it really causes a lot of that resentment and a lot of anger maybe that is unnecessary. So I think we've always been really good at communicating, but I think in these past few months, we've really seen the importance of effectively communicating and understanding our language and what we are saying. Because, you know, even on our recent trip, we were kind of splitting off and Jeff was going off with my dad and my brother and they were going to go do something. And I said, here, take the stroller. And I said, just leave it and we'll get it after we come out of this show. So me and the kids went into a show. They went on their way to go on a ride. And Jeff took the stroller and he took it all the way to be close to him when he got off the ride. And I meant leave it close to the show where we were at. But because I just said, take the stroller and put it in one of the stroller stops, then I wasn't clear in what I needed or what I wanted or what I was assuming. So he was doing, you know, what he thought was best. And I felt like I was communicating properly and explaining what I thought would be the best option, but it did not come across and it It all worked out. It all worked out. It always does. And, you know, I think it's just situations like that, that it's, it's like you could easily kind of get frustrated at the other person and be like, how did you not get that? How did you not understand that? Like, why would you do that? And I think it's, we, we really just need to have some compassion for each other and really just be you know, aware of the words that we're using and aware of 
how we're navigating this journey with other people because it is important that we have other people doing this with us. And, you know, people talk about, oh, where's this village? Where's this village? Like, I'm, you know, looking for it, expecting it. And I think we forget that it starts with us. And if you want a village, you have to be an active member of that village as well. And you have to be contributing to the situation just as much as you want people contributing to your situation and helping you. And I think that's something that a lot of us forget. You know, you hear this story of these elephants and how they all gather around, you know, one elephant specifically when they're hurt or injured or need help or, you know, even mother elephants when they're giving birth other elephants will surround her and protect her and be, you know, that village that she needs so that she's not in that vulnerable state and exposed to the wild and they are there to protect her. But we also have to understand when we're not that person, when we're not that elephant giving birth, when we're not the one, you know, in the trenches, if you will, then we need to be that surrounding component. We need to flip back around when we are feeling good and not vulnerable and able to help others. We need to flip that script around and we need to be an active member in that village, in that culture, in that situation so that it can exist. And, you know, if you're trying to figure out like, oh, my friends don't call me anymore, or nobody's reaching out to me, or I don't see this person anymore, you have to put that effort in and say, am I reaching out to them? Am I doing that for them? Am I being the person I want to see in the world? And it really comes down to taking action and not just saying like, I want to be this kind of person or I want to do these kinds of things. You have to actively be taking action to be what you want to see. And we can say like, oh, I want to do this more. But if we're not actually making the time for it and putting in that effort, it's not going to get done. And, you know, another thing that I've really been leaning into is feeling and and finding a passion and nurturing my creativity. I think we need to hold on to something that's uniquely ourselves in motherhood and have an outlet and a hobby of sorts that really lights us up. I find so much joy and passion in creating these episodes and I'm so appreciative that, you know, you share these moments with me just as much as I'm sharing them with you and the fact that you're listening to this is just so meaningful to me and, you know, I hope that you're able to find your old self in your new life 
and connect the two together to create something that means a lot to you and gives you that motivation to wake up and be excited for something because we all need that in our life and we really need that sense of belonging. I really do feel like it's it's human nature to want to belong, to want to be appreciated, to want to feel worthy, to want to feel loved, to want to feel connected to something. And I think we need to find that passion. We need to find that thing. And I believe it exists outside of that identity of motherhood. I think, you know, it very much can be with our kids. We can do something around them. We can create a life that's connected to them, but we need to have something that's our own. We need to have something that we're motivated to do externally. So this is something that I discuss in Heal Your Trauma Mama. If you haven't heard what that is or looked into that, I will link it below in the show notes, but it's 30 mini episodes that pair with a workbook and really navigate the journey of healing ourselves from trauma that may be holding us back from being the mothers we want to be. I'm really passionate about supporting moms to be where they want to be. And I believe it's important to heal, not just cope with our struggles and situations that we feel triggered by. It's important that we learn how to do this ourselves so that we can help our children learn to navigate these situations as well in the future you know if they come about it or if they have similar occurrences and and feelings in in their life in general you know even before motherhood and when it comes down to it we're all humans and we are all on our own journey and we may be trying to prove something And I think in many aspects, it really comes down to that acceptance from a very early point in our lives. And I try to challenge people to ask themselves, you know, what are you trying to prove? What is your main drive? What's your motivation behind what you are doing? And really kind of let that curiosity overpower you and and ask yourself, you know, Why are you doing the things that you are doing? And do you want to be doing those? And I want you to get to a point where you're really aiming to have that sense of purpose and, you know, true meaning and passion behind the things that you're doing. Because we can see a lot of you know negative feelings and feelings of unworthiness and disappointment and we know that like attracts like and we really need to see who's coming to us for what and what we're gaining from other people and why we're going to other people and why we're doing things and signing up for things and following people and and really just say like what am I gaining from this and and why am I doing this and is it truly aligned with what I want to be doing in my life and I'm also a really strong believer in everything happening for a reason and if it wasn't for my first 
birth experience, I don't believe I'd be so passionate about sharing my story and helping others. And I think when we see flaws in the system or feel compelled to make a change, it really has the potential to drive a lot of you know much needed inspiration for others in that time in their own life. And we can really help each other on our journeys when we share our stories. And for a while, there were things that I really wanted to change about my daughter's birth, and I felt really hurt by it. You know, I needed to go on that healing journey and process what happened so that I could accept it and not hold on to any of those hurtful feelings that I originally had towards it. And I focused on the podcast. I took a hypnobirthing course for my second birth. And I really got into being a birth worker myself and really helping individuals in their own individual journey. And I learned more about our intuition and how to process life with more awareness and understanding. And I have asked myself these hard questions and got into a state of wanting to learn more and educate myself on anything that I ever felt lost or confused about. You know, I take action where it's needed and I'm not afraid of failure because I've seen what can come out of it when I try to go for something. I see what happens when I really, you know, push deeper into things that I'm struggling with and I get curious and I ask those hard questions and I try those hard things because I know what can come out of it and I know the benefits outweigh anything that might come if I do those things. And my daughter's birth was beautiful in its own way and I think a lot of moms can really get mad at external factors and blame the system or the hospital or your provider and try to run away from it or blame it. And I think sometimes we really just need someone or something else to blame for situations. And I want you to really ask yourself, you know, is there really truly something to blame? And if there is, let's push that further and let's dive into how we can make it better. But I have really seen this as an opportunity for change and growth. And it woke me up to what's possible and caused me to jump into a new perspective on life and really open me up to want to see things differently and not have blinders on. So now with my second birth with my son, I had that amazing unmedicated birth and it was in a hospital. It was in the same exact setting that my daughter's birth was in. And it was a completely different outcome though. And that in itself is is huge and amazing and I didn't need to, you know, change the location. I didn't need to change the situation. I was able to change my perspective, change my mindset, change how I was going to navigate through that. And I think there's a lot to be said and learn with that. And I think, you know, we can take that and grow from it and understand that it might not be the situation that we're in that needs to change, but it's us, our internal being our mindset 
what we're perceiving to be going on. And I think, you know, that's something that is really being pronounced and emulating in my life right now. And I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I am still processing it all as it comes, but I am excited. I am uplifted. I am really, you know, inspired and empowered now at 10 months. And I'm proud of where I'm at and with what I'm accomplishing and where things are heading. So, you know, here I am again. I just really wanted to pop in and express and share my feelings of what's going on right now, what I've been thinking about these past few months, and hopefully encourage you to, you know, again, like ask those questions, take a second to journal, really see what you're doing and where you're spending your time and what you want to do and where you're going and really just stop and appreciate life and what it's showing you and the lessons that are being presented to you. So that's where I'm at. You know, obviously there are so many other things that are going on now and just, you know, ways that I can be talking about this and really sharing what my postpartum journey has been like. But I think it's important to dive into these feelings and emotions that I am expressing right now as opposed to, you know, physical changes in my body and and maybe some things that are happening developmentally with baby, you know, it's really more so that mindset, that mental check, that mental awareness that needs to be emulated a little bit more and talked about. So let me know where you're at on your journey. How are you feeling? How are you doing? What thoughts are coming up? Where are you at and what are you struggling with? What are you excelling at? What are you most proud of? Where do you feel inspired most? And how are you empowering others? And how are you staying encouraged yourself? So thank you, mamas. This has been a blast and I am continuing to enjoy this journey and everything that is coming with it. So, you know, I hope you are too. Well, this wraps up another episode of the Entering Motherhood podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review us wherever you are listening because that helps the show grow and expand so that other mamas can learn information on how to heal and navigate in motherhood. Thank you so much for listening. It means so much to me. And be sure to subscribe so that you can listen to the latest episodes of the Entering Motherhood podcast. See you later, mamas.